to the North Leeds Jets podcast. Today on the show, joined by Professor Roberto Lima, um, also known as Gordo, uh, one of the kind of innovators, inventors of uh, the half guard position that we all know as uh, from Professor Mike teachers. And I'm just really thankful that you joined us, Professor. Thanks so much. How are you doing over in uh, Florida? Yeah, I'm doing good. I've been here, I've been here in Florida for almost five years. After two years and a half in Abu Dhabi, I moved to here and I'm happy. The, the weather is very similar from like the weather in Rio. <laughs> Warm, humid. The academy is going doing well. And I'm happy. Nice. What was uh, what was the uh, what, what got you to move to Florida from Abu Dhabi? Basically, when I finished my contract in Abu Dhabi, I was supposed to move into to California, that's my first idea. Mm. But I was talking to my brother, and he he opened a, an academy here like one year before, and he was too busy to you know to to run both academies, and he has he used to have a partner, and he offered me if I want to move here, he can give me his parts, you know like. Then I move, I take over the academy with his partner. Then I've been there for two years, around two years. Then after this pandemic, we closed, we closed the gym for, for three months. And my partner quit, but he doesn't want more teaching. He stopped. Right. He's doing a different job now. And I reopened the academy in different location, very close like about 10 minutes away, but it's a new location. And the Academy, thank God, the Academy is doing very good. Good. What, when, uh, when you say like an Academy is very good, you know, you've got so many kind of affiliate Academies around the world and stuff. What makes a really good Academy for you? Like what are the benchmarks? I mean, it's, it's a new, I mean, it's a new beginning, you know, like let's say the Academy has like total of four years almost two years in the new location and doing really good it's like uh, we already have some like good training you know like purple brown belt i have a black belt that i graduate he was a brown belt for a i have a black belt yeah albert he was a brown belt from marcelo garcia like eight years ago and i graduated him last year and you know the good training, good like the the vibe in the academy is very good. You know, like the students, I like. But for um for you to give someone a black belt, uh, what what do you want to see from them? What's the uh, what's the criteria? Man, the criteria is, is like of course it's different for everyone. You know, for every student. I mean, uh, I have over hundred fifty black belts. You know, uh, I know all like personally very well, and yeah. one one of the the things that important for me is like of course I have a great jiu-jitsu, like 
especially the, the technical part, you know. And I need to 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 trust, you know. You need to have my trusting. You need to, you know, like know the, the, the person well. You know, it's not a thing that you just do it three, two or three months in one year. It's a thing that you need to. I don't know. Black belt, you need to learn. You know that sometimes take a while. Yeah, you know, um, Professor Mike talks about that a bit when when he's giving someone a belt, that's almost like he's putting his name to that person. So if they go traveling around the world and someone asks, hey, who gave you that belt? It's going to reflect bad, badly on him and then, you know, badly on his professor, Professor Victor, Stephen. Yeah. I, I, I think in the same way, I think in the same way, of course, you know, like, time is flying. Like I said, I, I teach for more than 30 years and a lot of black belts. I'm, I cannot say that I'm, I'm still have contact, close contact with everyone, but pretty much all still training. It's all like my friends, you know. Yeah. Almost all. Do you ever give um, any particular advice to to the students when they get their black belt? Um, I don't think, not, not really when they get the black belt, you know, but like I said, to, to get the black belt with me, to need to be a while, like, close to me, you know, then they get advices every every single class, you know, then it's, don't have like, nothing particular. Of course, the ones who, who want to teach, you know, want to open academy or keep teaching jiu-jitsu, they usually they they ask more things, you know, they need more help after the black belt. One thing that I always say, usually I say when I when I get the black belt, it's like that's not the end, you know. It's just a new beginner, you need to you know keep training. Because I think black in my vision, black belt's not the end. You know, it's just a mm. just a, let's say it's not a new beginner too, but it's it's a Let's say, uh, uh, I think that the the idea is a new beginning. You know, you get you get there, but you need to keep going. What what the reason? I mean, when you get when you in a prime time, when you get your black belt, probably you know prime time. You know, you why what the reason that you're going to stop training? I don't see any reason. Yeah. What, do you think students in jiu-jitsu obsess too much about getting the black belt or have you found it's okay? I, I can feel that nowadays is a little bit more than before, you know, like old days people just training and one day they will get. <laughs> nowadays I see more like the students looking up a little bit more, not asking exactly, but some, some ask, but someone's just like, how long is it going to take it? And, you know, like it's more... I mean, a lot of people want to know like how how long it's gonna to take to get the black belt, and it's, it's different. It's difficult to 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 how long you you have been training. You uh, four years for jiu-jitsu, and it's difficult to know how long it's gonna take. That's people that get the black belt in five years, but it's not the the the, the, the average. You know that I think the average. About seven years, eight years. I think something between six and ten years. 
you know. Mm. And but depends. Depends how how much effort you put. You know how 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 many days a week you're training. Depend like sometimes not just depending on you, but depending if you get injury, if you you know get busy, you have a family, you have like you know another things to do. Usually the the, the teenagers, I I usually say that like the teenage teenagers the best time to start in myself, you know, mm. for my, in my opinion. When you're a teenager, you have like a brand new HD, you know, your, your mind is absorbed everything like a sponge. Yeah. And it's easy to learn. And you have time because you have what? School or high school and, and training. That's it, you know. Mm. After you, you have a job, family, kids, whatever, it's, it's less time. Yeah. So you were, you were in your mid-teens, was it, when you started Jiu-Jitsu Professor? I'm 15. 15. And so tell me about that, because you, you originally started off at uh, like the original Gracie Baja, right? Baja de Tijuca? Yes, yes. I started over there. I was uh, very close to half Gracie. We are very friends. Like half Hansel Hyan, Daniel Russo. And... We are we, we went to kindergarten together, you know, we surfed together. We they, they live like two blocks from my house. Right. And they used to train jiu-jitsu at, at Copacabana, that's like far away from my house, like I don't know, 45 minutes probably. And in 1983, I think, Carlos Gracie Jr. moved to Barra to open the great in that time it wasn't Gracie Barra, it was a club Gracie. Grace Club, right. you know. Then after that, I don't know, 85, 86, they start name, they start to say the name like Grace Barra. And that's where well, I started in 85, 1985. I imagine kind of Gracie Barra looked a lot different back then. Yeah, uh, Jiu-Jitsu is a lot of different, you know. Not, it's not, I don't know. A lot of people don't know jiu-jitsu. Uh, what what jiu-jitsu? I remember when I start, like even my my mom, she like what what's jiu-jitsu? People ask like what's jiu-jitsu? Judo is much more popular before, or karate or capoeira in Brazil. Yeah, you know, jiu-jitsu is not that popular, and people just don't know. Like Barra da Tijuca, the neighborhood that just the first academy probably is is. It's Grace Bar, mm. and before that, they, they some 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 people know about Graces, you know, but it's very like just in Rio, other other states nobody know about much. And in the end of eighties, grow a lot. I think it like this generation from eighties. It's really like make jiu-jitsu bigger you know like because a lot of a lot of my friends from my generation and the person the people from the generation right before me like the machado brothers Hanzo gracie uh fabio gel murilo Bustamante, de la riva all these guys they become a jiu-jitsu coach or jiu-jitsu. yeah legends yeah yeah then before them, before us, before them, we just we have just like a few academies in Rio, you know. And after that, this explosion in end of eighties, especially in '93, when Royce Gracie, 
fight in the UFC, then it's become really know, you know, everybody start know what, what jiu-jitsu. And yeah. when they give that name like Brazilian jiu-jitsu, they get more popular, of course, in Brazil. What was it going into the academy at 15? Were you, were you nervous? What was the training like? Was it just kind of a couple of techniques and then sparring? Or what was the... What was the... Um, I, I cannot say that I'm nervous because I know, I mean, like I said, I, I know all my, my coaches and all, all like, I know Carlos Grace before I trained. I know the Machado brothers. They, they are the, the coaches in that time, you know, in the Grace Bar. I know them before I trained. Uh, we, I mean, I used to go to Teresopolis with their house, you know. We used to go to Bozios, that a beach together. Then I already know everybody, you know. Then it's not a big challenge. It's just, you know, like one more. I I really want to start before uh, when I when I did. Then when I got the invitation by by Higa Machado, he's the one who who invited me to start training. Did you uh, did you have a favorite instructor back then? No. For any oh. Did you have a favorite instructor, someone that really vibed with you? And, yeah. I cannot say a favorite. I, uh, when I when I start my the, the the instructor of the 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 fundamental class was Carlos Machado. He's the mm. one who teach. He gonna use to teach more kids. And Jack and Hanzo, they wore blue or purple belts, or just got the purple belt, or they were blue belts, something like that. And once then Higa Machado moved to America, then after that, Carlos Machado moved and Jean-Jacques take over all, all his classes. Jean-Jacques used to teach us, like myself, from blue belt to brown belt. Jean-Jacques left Brazil in 1991. I got my black belt in 1992, one year after he left, from, from Carlos Grace, you know. Then I personally like the way how Jean-Jacques teaches, like he, I like the way how he teaches. I like the way how Hanzo teach. you know, I, I, I always try to, to get something from them, you know. Ooh, I, I've not been lucky enough to take a class with, with either of those guys. Do they have a similar style or what's, what's their teaching style like? Uh, the class is pretty much like the way how I teach and the way how I learn. From, from that time, it's pretty much the same. We have like a few minutes warm up, like not, not hard. Usually, the, the big difference is, maybe the jiu-jitsu class was two hours class. That's, I think that's the big difference. Right. We, we used to do like with Carlos Machado, let's say, when I start. 20, between 20, 25 minutes warm up. In the warm up, yeah. we push up, sit ups, we do a lot of stuff. Then after that, the, uh, take downs or self-defense. Then after we do some technique on the ground, and after the technique, we train spying like for, for at least one hour, you know? Yeah. Then in the end, sometimes we, we still like have like 10 minutes and stretch. Then that's the, the, the structure of the class, okay? And that's how that's the way how I learned. That's the way how I used to teach all my class. Let's say fifteen years ago was like two hours class. 
Mm-hmm. But be, I think because that in that days we're not we're not working out, we got no physical preparation. We just go jujitsu like three. They some people do three times a week. We we used to do like because I always close the family. We used to train every day, but that's what we do. Then we do everything there. Nowadays, people start doing more physical preparation. They have another sport. Some people do judo or jiu-jitsu or whatever. And the class, they, the class nowadays, usually they are short. Let's say hour and a half. Usually the fundamental class is one hour, one hour, 15 minutes. And the advanced class, one hour and a half. Then I can tell that my class are like this, one hour and a half. The, the fundamentals usually one hour, one hour, 10 minutes. But what I do now, it's like maximum 10 minutes warm up. It's just a you know, fast warm up. Then we work in technique, usually standing up first or take downs or self-defense. Yeah. Then we do the technical part. The fundamentals, they usually inspiring. I mean, the first, let's say the first year, they're not sparring more than 20 minutes in the end. And the advanced classes, they sparring around 45 minutes, one hour, you know, then they have more time to spar. Usually that's the structure that I do. And this, this kind of class is more, I think it's more commercial too, you know, but two hours, not commercial. Let's say I have, let's say today, uh, after, after here, we, I, uh, my son's gonna treat three kids class, I mean, <clears throat> three different class for kids. One for small kids, another one for 10 years old, and another one for teenagers. Then after that, we have a 6.30, we have a fundamental class into 7.30. Then 7.30 to nine, we have advanced class. You know, we have like five class in one day. And in the morning, yeah. I already teach two classes. If we have like two hours class, it's less people in the match, you know? It's less time. I mean, yeah. if you have a big, huge uh, location, it's okay. Because you can put like 100 people in the match, but it's not, it's not the real issue, you know? Yeah. Usually, my classes usually have like something between 20 and 30 people. Then nice. each twice a day, it's, it's a good, you know, good number. If I teach just once, one class a day is not enough usually. Mm. So, you know, back in those early days, did you kind of think, and you're, you know, training every day, two hours a day, did you think you were going to make a living from jiu-jitsu or did you, have other, did you know what you wanted to do for a career or how was it back then? Could you make money from jiu-jitsu back then? Yeah, of course, of course, in, when I was 15, I don't think because like it, I, the only the only academy that I know is Grace Barra. Then I don't know nobody who teach just my my instructors. Yeah. And, but very like early when I was I think around seventeen, I'm start really thinking to teach like that. I I love I fall in, I fell in love with jiu-jitsu and that's what I want to do. You know because I used to surf too. I I still surfing. Then but. Surf is another thing that's not, you know, I cannot make money that times it's like surfing, you know, like professional surf is like, it's not that good in 80s. And then let's say 
I remember when I was 19 as a purple belt, I usually, since blue belt, I, I always offer myself to my coach, especially to Jean-Jacques and Carlos Machado to help them in the, in the private classes, whatever. Always I'm, I'm in the academy to, you know, like if you want to use me for private, I'm here, whatever. And when I was 19, uh, Halfie was purple belt too, he's my age. And he invited me to teach with him at a new academy in Recreo. Recreo is a close to Barra, but it was a it's very small neighborhood at that time, you know, don't, doesn't have any academy. Then they open one small academy, like a, like a workout academy. They have judo, and they invited him to teach. And we are just purple belts, you know. But that, that's not many black belts at that time. Then we we talked to Janjaki at that time, and Janjaki was like the head coach, and we are the, the, the coach that teach every day. And <clears throat> that time, when I was 19, I already know that that's what I want to do. And yeah. I can tell you that the money is not good, you know. It's just, but I live with my mom. You know, that yeah, what did your parents think? Did they want you to go to university? Or were they quite happy for you to do jiu-jitsu? Uh, what, sorry, what, what? Did your parents mind? Did they want you uh, to go yeah, to yeah. yeah, my mom wanted me to go to, to university, you know. When I finished my high school, uh, I supposed to go to university, but I was too much like, you know, in jiu-jitsu. And mm. I don't, I really don't like to study that much, you know. And I, I was, it, I don't know, but when I was 17, 18, I think it's too early to sometimes, you know, if you want to become engineer or doctor or whatever, you know, I, that time, if I can tell you, I, I just want to surf and do jiu-jitsu. That's what I want, you know, like, that's my dream, let's say. Then I start, I start teaching, making not much money, but enough to live with my mom, you know, to just a small amount of money. I, I remember I bought my, like, my car. It's an old, like, Volkswagen. And I, I really don't care about money that time. I just care about, like, training, teaching, competing. I'm, like, living my dream, you know. And like I said, the things change a lot after 1993. Uh, I think every everyone who teaches it nowadays need to be uh, thankful for like Royce Gracie, Horan Grace who creates the UFC, and Royce Grace who is the one who beats everyone, you know. Yeah. And man, this is just probably it. It will happen with someone else, but happen with Royce Grace, you know. Then it, the jiu-jitsu just explode, open a lot of, a lot of opportunities for everyone here in America, in Europe. I remember the first foreigners that start coming to to Brazil, you know, to training. You know, I, I still some of them still like my friends. I remember Amal Easton when he he moved to Brazil. It's an American guy, blue belt, he just moved to Brazil, 
Another one was Ben, Ben Popeton from UK. Yeah. He moved to Brazil too, and all, he lives at my mom's home for, <laughs> for two years, I think. Yeah. Nice. And, I, I do another seminar with Ben. He's, he's awesome. Yeah. yeah. I really like him. He's in Brazil right now. I, I saw his back in Brazil. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, amazing! I need to. I, I keep messaging him. He he keeps telling me he's coming on the podcast, but he's always so busy. You know? Yeah, he's right. traveling. <laughs> yeah, he's he's busy living the life. Um, you know, I, I always listen to I listen to a lot of podcasts, and you know, Henzo is on a lot of podcasts, and um, he's always telling these amazing stories of like growing up in Brazil, and like he sounds like he just ran the whole town basically, where like you know everyone respected him. But sounds like they would also get into like a lot of fights, but. Back in the day, was that kind of common in that era? Yes, it's more common than now. You know, in the 80s, like, I mean, you know, kids, teenagers in Brazil used to have, like, we used to fight. Not, not, not bad, but, you know, like in the school sometimes, there's small things. And, but in, in the 80, end of the 80s, in Brazil, they, they start to have a, a conflict between jiu-jitsu and luta livre or muay thai and it, it was the days that you know we never know you go out and you can see some of these guys in the street and uh, sometimes it happens some something fights but it's not it's not that bad too you know it's just different nowadays i don't know nowadays i think it's it's especially for Teenagers, it's kind of easy, you know. That's I, I feel that's more common before, like in the 80s. That's we we really look in jiu-jitsu as a self-defense, not just a, a a sport or tournaments. Yeah. You, you, you of course you, you grow up in Rio in the 80s, you one day you fight, you know, I'm sure. <laughs> Nowadays I don't think it's the same. Still, people are always in the school have bullying, have these kind of stuffs, but I think fights don't happen too much. No. Did uh, do you have any memories of a, a fight in in Brazil that got a bit a bit too close to the wire, a bit a bit too hairy, got into too much trouble, or it got a bit too close to being super dangerous? Ah, uh, dangerous. I mean, yeah, I'm, yeah, I. I personally like always with Hal for Haim, especially, you know, into let's say from from nine, 10 years old to, to 18, I always with Half. And after that, Haim become very close to me. And they they pretty much fly every week. <laughs> they have fights every week. Then I'm not I'm not that much, you know, but always involved, you know, like always together, try to, you know, sometimes try to help, sometimes try to split the fight or, but they, they are, that's, that's the way they, they are, you know, they always involved in a fight. Hands too, but hands are a little bit older than me. And we, we just look up to hands, you know, like he's, he's, he used to fight the beach. That's a place in Brazil that we used to surf in Quebra-Mar. Then they have like kind of localism, you know, like people come from other places and do some. Yeah, this is old times, you know. And hands well, in the beach. 
fighting yeah, the beach. Fighting the beach, and you know, this become a little bit popular. Then, and someone have travel in the beach, they always call hands, 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 or have a fight in the beach, whatever. Then they always go, you know. It's different. I mean, they they grow up in a different, how can I say, environment. You know, fight fight is just a fight. It's not any, you know, for, for especially for them. They grow up like this, you know. They know since they born, they know that they will be fighters. And that's what they do. You know. Mm-hmm. But back then, was it just a, a given that if you train jiu-jitsu, you were going to compete? Or was it optional, like you don't have to compete when you train? Or, or if you train, you're definitely competing? No, it's always optional. Always optional. We have, um, let's say, of course, I think, like I said, jiu-jitsu nowadays is more popular, you know. But still kind of the same. I think... 10% of your students compete. Nine, 90% or 95, 85% doesn't compete. They do just for fun or for self-defense or for losing weight, whatever. You know, it's it never, I mean, Carlos Grace at the Bar Grace, he never pushes to compete. You know, they, they uh, support if you want. Yeah, I want to compete, to have tournaments. Like that time is not that popular too. It's like let's say tournaments twice a year. Then if you want to compete, they support, but they all, they never push us to compete. I I personally like competition, you know, like it's inside of me. I'm very competitive. And I remember when I started teaching, like I said, I was so young and I, I used to compete. Then I always push my students to compete in the beginning, you know, like let's say from 19 to 20 something to 30. I'm I was so young and I always like not not pushing, but you know, like support, let's compete, let's compete, because that, that's what I'm doing. And I want more people come to compete with me. But after I, I feel like after that. Like I have my, my academy start growing and I, I just understand that, you know, competition is, is more for young guys, you know. Nowadays we have like very popular for masters too, you know, masters used to compete now a lot. But back in the day, doesn't have like master tournament, you know. The tournament is just for teenagers and adults. And, but it's, I still feel the same. Like I said, Probably 10% of my students compete. But if they want, I support. I go to the tournament. I always help. You know, like I, I do some, some not that much, but a few class for competition training, for people understanding. Because I feel competition take you out of your comfortable zone. You know, it's not it's not the main thing in jiu-jitsu. The main thing it's it's the 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 sport and the self-defense together. But if you like to compete, it's it's a good thing. I think you, a lot of people enjoy it. But you still it needs to be fun. I always say that to my students. If you get too much nervous or too much like uh, excited or you don't feel 
happy, you, you, not, you don't have fun, not go. You know, competitions to have fun. Do you still like, uh, like to watch jiu-jitsu competitions like uh, the Worlds or ADCC? Yes, yes, I still, I still. Last year I was in the Worlds, this year. I, I go every year in the Worlds. I like, I like to, to keep, uh, keep looking for the new generation and, and be involved with the high level. You know? I always like to be involved with the high level. This weekend we having the 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 European. Yeah, Italy is not that busy because of the, the pandemic or whatever. But but you know I'm I'm gonna see tomorrow and and after tomorrow I'm gonna see the brown and the black belts. Yeah, that'd be good. Um, do you get excited for nogi competition as well, like the ADCC stuff? I like I like. Sometimes I just don't like the rules. You know, like. It's too much, how can I say, especially like say the DCC. Uh, you see a lot of fights that just standing up and just pushing, 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 pushing. You know, of course, you see a lot of good guys that, you know, do amazing submissions, whatever. But in the high level, the, the semifinals and finals is just like push, push. I don't know what they can do. I know that rule is always difficult to, 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 to change. But if you see wrestler or judo, they standing up, they have more punishment. If you're not attacking, you know. I feel in the DCC, people not attack that much. They just stay, 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 and don't, don't, don't get punished, you know. If probably if the referees do more punishment, the, the fight will be, can be better. But still, yeah. I have good fights. Is there anything about um, like the IBJJF rules that you would change? Let's say, like, I just put you at the head of IBJJF. Is there any rules you would change or anything like that? It's hard to know. You know, they... They're realistic. I think they change the rules too much. Every six months, they have a new, new rule, new rule, new rule. And these new rules sometimes make i know a lot of rules is for the safety you know but sometimes make it uh, how can i say sometimes they stop the evolving of jiu-jitsu because of the rules you know and you cannot do this you cannot do that then you stop doing then you know it's just a uh, Let's say back in the days in the 90s, I used to do a lot of cervical, like from the guard or, or from the turtle position, like people call double Nelson or whatever, like a cervical. And yeah. one day I decided that now this is too dangerous and we cannot do anymore. Okay, it's not a big deal. I still, when I train, I still looking for sometimes, but I stopped teaching and I'm stopped doing because, you know, they cannot do it. But what what gonna happen if, if you go to MMA? People are gonna take that, you know. Yeah. And or even a DCC, you know, different yeah. rules. And you cannot my in my class especially, I cannot teach IBJJF rules. I need to keep teaching jiu-jitsu, you know, because especially for the self-defense aspect, we we need we need the students need to understand. Foot locks, knee locks, 
cervical takedowns. They need to understand everything. You know, it's competition. Like I said, competition is just a small piece of jiu-jitsu. IBJJF is a small piece of jiu-jitsu. You know, of course, it's a big. It's the big uh, organization in the world, and they, let's say, they are the ones who create the rules or or establish the rules. But competition is one rule in the academy. You need to understand everything in my vision. So um, I wanted to speak a little bit about, uh, well, actually, on the self-defense thing, is self-defense a big part of um, what you teach in your academies? Does it, does it always play a part of every class? No, not every class. It's more for fundamentals, you know, like in the in the program of the fundamentals program in the first year, you you learn more uh, self defense. Then after that, we keep we keep doing. Usually, as a, in the end of the warm up, but I cannot say that is every every day or sometimes we like one week without doing. Sometimes I put more focus. I feel that students need more, then I put more focus. I do like one week self-defense every day, then I stop for a week. And that's that's how I do it. But for the fundamentals, I think it's very important to the basic ones. But you know, I'm I'm not working, let's say I'm not teaching right now the the for let's say self-defense with guns or knife. I don't teach anymore too yeah. much. Just if if it's for law enforcement or something like that specifically, for a regular student, I stop teaching. But I think it, it, it is important. Do you, do all of your students have to learn a good half guard game? Or are you okay if they, they avoid the half guard? Or? No, no. It's, it's funny that you ask that because uh, I have some of my black belts, they, people training for me for 10 years. Sometimes they complain because I'm not teaching too much half guard. <laughs> like I said, I teach jiu-jitsu, you know, I don't teach half guard. And of course, if you ha I have a few students that does half guard well. One of people know well is Celso Vinicius. His, his main game is half guard too. But I never push him to do it, you know. He just do it. It's I think it's good for his size or whatever. It's... it's it's um, natural for him. I never push anyone to, to teach. And I don't teach, let's say, half guard more than other stops. I, I teach pretty much everything. You know, that's, yeah. that's my idea. That's how I learn and that's my idea to teach. It's give you, give you a piece of everything and you, you're going to build your own game, you know. I'm not building the game of my students. I can help. Like, go this way, go this way, but it's up to them. So you want, to, you want them to try and find their own kind of bit of jiu-jitsu, right? Yeah. Uh, I, would it, it, do any of your students come and say, ah, oh, professor, I can't train, I'm injured? And then you're like, hey, when I was injured, I, I made the half guard, so you can come train. <laughs> yeah. I understand that every injury is different. Like, what, what happened to me, like I said, I was like, addicted jiu-jitsu 18 years old and I got my injury and I don't feel comfortable anywhere. I just feel comfortable at the gym. 
Then I go at the gym every day, like with my injury and stay there. And one day I decide that I need to keep training. But I understand that some injury really stop you to training, but this is not just for jiu-jitsu, but for our life, for our life. I think because everybody has injuries, not just jiu-jitsu, you know, like let's say, I see a lot of students say, hey, professor, I, probably I need to stop training because I have a hernia, like discus, whatever, in my spine. Man, I have, I have friends that they are they're surfing, they have hernia. I have friends that don't do sport, they have hernia. A lot of people have that, you know. You, you cannot stop living because of that. You need just to, I don't know, make strong, do physiotherapy, whatever, go to the doctor, try to fix you cannot stop living because of injury, you know? And if you see, man, I saw last, last year in the Panams, and I don't know his name, I don't know who he is, but he, he was a, he's a, I think he's brown belt now, but he was purple belt, he, big guy. He was fighting at Master Two probably, in, the, in his weight division and absolute, he won both. And he doesn't have one leg. Oh, right. Huh? Just one leg. And beat everyone by submission, almost. Almost everyone by submission. You know? <laughs> then you can see, like, and if this guy can do this with one leg, what, you know, like, what what people can do? My, I have, personally, one of my, the people that I look up in Jiu-Jitsu, Jean-Jacques Machado. He doesn't have, mm. like, fingers in one hand. You know, he, he doesn't have good grip in, one, in his left hand, you know, and he choke, he do everything. I never see him, like, make any excuse. Ah, because I don't have my hand. Ah, because of this, ah, because of that. No, he always the first to try to do. If you, you know, if you give, he used to play hockey in Brazil. And how he controlled the, the, the hockey back, you know? He he's the one who always tried new things, you know, and that's that's how I think. I have, a, I have a friend, a wrestling coach, Jacob Harmon, and he used to say, "Ah, I I hurt my foot." Then he come to the gym to do push-ups. I hurt my shoulder. No problem. Come to the gym and do squats. He always, you know, you have no excuse. Come and we we found out something to you to do. Of course, you cannot roll. You cannot spine hard with injury, you know, but you can always find something to do. Or mm. go fix your, your injury, you know, uh, uh, fix and come back to train, if you like, you know. Is there anything that um, any of your instructors, maybe Jean-Jacques or any, any others that, told you throughout your jiu-jitsu journey that really uh, resonated with you and you remember it still? Any piece of advice? Any bit of wisdom or advice that any of your instructors gave you that um, you remembered to this day? Uh, I don't know. I mean, in that day, Jean-Jacques was my main instructor and he, like I said, when I was like injury, I go to the academy, sit in the corner and just look look the training. And I, I'm one of the like his best students in that time, you know. I was purple belt and I'm I'm there. Then I, I, I always think that as a 
one of the higher rank in the academy, I, I need to give the, the example. No? Yeah, but I don't remember exactly uh, advice that he gave me. But he, he's, like I said, he's an example, you know. You never see him do any excuse then. That's probably how I, I, I think in the same way. Is that what makes a good coach or professor for you? Like they, they kind of set the example through their actions? Yeah, I mean, to be a good coach, you need to, I don't know, it's hard to, to, to know what you need to be, but have like different styles, you know. But one thing that it's important, I think, you you need to read the people fast, you know. You need to, to know your students because they are, all your students have a different personality. They have a different, uh, different uh, desires. They are in our academy for different reasons. Then I think the good coach or good professor or whatever, he needs to understand that and give for different people different advices, you know. Is, is that something that you can develop? Is that something that comes naturally to people or is that uh, you think it's something you can learn and, and get better at? I think some people get naturally, but but I think that's the thing that you learn. I can tell, I can tell you that I'm, I'm much more the other word. I, I'm, I'm, of course, experience. You got experience. I'm much, I'm much better coach nowadays than I was when I was 25. You know, when I was 25, I just thinking, like I said, I, I think I was thinking too much in competition, 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 or even MMA, or you know, like young people. And then I realized that you know, jiu-jitsu is not just for young people. It's not just for kids. It's not just for teenagers. Jiu-jitsu is. You know, everybody can do jiu-jitsu, you know. Um, especially, what, 70% of my students probably is over 30, you know. Here in America, also in Brazil too. In Brazil, I have two, two academies, different locations in Brazil. One is in a, in, a, in a neighborhood that have a big club, and I have a lot of teenagers in that academy. But I have, a, as now they... That's why that was my main academy back in the days, 20 years ago. I, all my teenagers come from that place. But now a lot of them get old and they still train. But the other location that I have, it's, man, I, don't, I almost don't have teenagers. I have kids, good, good group of kids, and the other ones are all over 30, 35. You know? Yeah. I think that, that age between... 19 and 30, sometimes it's hard. Because that's in that age that you need to looking for what you're gonna be. Like if you're gonna do like college or, or university or if you're gonna have family, you know, that you, you're kind of busy. Then the parents sometimes push you too much to go to university and it's, it's not, not easy, no? But yeah. Like I said, in my opinion, it's the best age to train. If you see the world champions nowadays, they are all close to 20-something, you know, because they, they start training young 
<clears throat> and between 15 and 20, that's the best age to 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 build your regimes, in my opinion. Then that yeah, some of the gymnastics now is incredible to watch. Amazing, absolutely amazing. Um, for you, Professor, you've been training you know, for, uh, since you were 15. Uh, what, what does it mean to be a martial artist for you? What are the kind of values and things we should aspire to? Uh, uh, I never, I mean, like I said, when I start training, like the main, the main reason is to learn how to defend myself. I wasn't a big guy, you know, I was a kid, not, not small too, but average. And of course, every teenager has his problems like in the school as a bullying, whatever. I never, I never was the bully and nobody like bullying me too much, but you know, it always important in my opinion to defend yourself. That's the main reason that I start. But as soon as I learn a little bit and I get my blue belt, because in that days doesn't have like competition for white belts. White belts is just a beginner and don't have competition. Right. And I, I, as soon as I get my, my blue belt, I start competing. <clears throat> and I really like it, you know? I really like to test myself. I feel like, until now I feel, I mean, I'm not competing. You know, especially because I don't like to compete five minutes. I think it's the, I like to more time. I like to train more time. But the challenge to challenge someone that you never trained before, it, for me, it's amazing. You, know? and you learn a lot in competition. And like I felt, like I said, I fell in love of competition and I start training every day. And that's then I became kind of addicted for, for training and competing and getting better. And it was a group of friends, you know, that when we grew up, it's a group of friends that we start training almost in the same time. Then of course we have, we have competition with the others, but we, we still have competition with us too, you know? Every day in the academy is a, is a competition. It's a, yeah. you know, you always want to improve. And one thing, that, one thing that pushed me a lot, when I start, Halfrey was like already very good jiu-jitsu, you know? And he was of my best friend. And he, he, every day he beat me up in the academy. Then this is really pushed me to, to you know, to get better, man. I, I cannot be like beat up every day, you know? I need to, to improve my game. Then that, that's one of the reasons that I train hard every day too. It's, you know, it seems like Jiu-Jitsu builds such close friendships. Uh, did you and Half and the other guys get, you know, even stronger bonds when you were training really hard together? I think so, man. I think so. Like, well, many of my best friends are from Jiu-Jitsu. Of course, I'm, I'm, I'm in this life for 35 years, you know, then, but, and people that, I have some friends that we like training hard every day in nineties, like every day. And we are very friends. Even if you not talk for a year or two years, we still like very close, you know, you, it's, I don't know, become a part of a family, you know, I see, I see the guys more than my, 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 my family sometimes, you know, 
and it's, it's just every day, every day, every day. Of course, you, I'm not, you don't, you're not friend of all your, your training partners, but you always make a very good friends. And I, I can see my academy, like here in America or in Brazil, how people get friendly fast. You know, some, some people starting the academy as like a kind of shine and not too much friendly. And in a few months, they always like, they're hanging out together and they, they go out after the academy or they have lunch together, you know? It's, That's it's a good place to make friends. Must be a very, it's a very rewarding feeling as an instructor as well, isn't it? When you kind of, do what you've done is brought two people together and they've made friends and parts yeah, of each other. Yeah, yeah, it's funny. Yeah, I have like, I have I have students that they they meet meet the first time at the academy and they 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 get married you know no way I have students they are like best friends I have students that they make a partnership in a business in the inside the academy you know that it's it's good because you you create an environment in the, the realistic. The most important thing, in my opinion, in the academy is not is not how good you are and how good you are jiu-jitsu. It's the environment. That's the environment that you have in our academy. That's that that atmosphere that you create is the main important thing. To people feel comfortable. To people want to go every day. You know, missing. Sometimes you get injury. I, I have like calls from my students that, man, coach, I missed the training, my elbow getting better, but I missed the training, I want to come back fast, whatever, you know? And people that not, they're not competitors, they're not fighters, they just, you know, regular guys, you know, lawyers or doctors, whatever. Having, having trained so long now, Professor, do you, do you still feel like you're a student of Jiu-Jitsu or, or do you just feel like you're just now a teacher of Jiu-Jitsu? And I, I always say that that I always learning something new. You know, sometimes I go to a place to teach, let's say a seminar, or a bunch of blue and purple belts. And man, I always learn. You, if you see, you always have something new to learn. And jiu-jitsu evolved too much. You know, like these these last words that I saw in December. Man, they are amazing fights, you know. That that's always the new technique coming up, you know. I think I think if you if, if someone thinks that they know everything, that's that's the, the first step to not become a, a good coach. You, know? you need to you need to always keep learning, and that's how I feel. I mean, I'm I'm the I'm the head coach in my academy. I teach a lot of people. But in the same time, I love to be a student, and I always learn. That's great. It's, it's great, and also uh, it just it blows your mind when you can, you know, train for so long, and someone like yourself can, can still learn jujitsu. You know, it's just amazing to hear um, just how how vast the the whole story is. You know, um, so we'll wrap this up because I, I know you've uh, got to go, but. Um, usually we just end on if you have anyone in mind that you think we should 
reach out to and give them a message to come on the podcast and share their story of jiu-jitsu if, if there's anyone that comes to mind that we can message um that would be great uh, uh i think that's one friend of mine of course he's my friend one of my best friends and he's doing an amazing job right now in uh, jiu-jitsu but now he's more focused in mma you know he just put like I think five students of like his students, the people who train just with him in the UFC is a Daniel, Daniel Simons, Daniel Grace. You know, he's an amazing coach. I think he's, he's, I think one of the reasons that he's, he's doing good is because he's doing from his heart. You know, I, mm-hmm. I'm the one who tell him, oh, Daniel, forget about MMA, man. Come, go to team because he's very good jiu-jitsu. You know? Say, man, teach jiu-jitsu. Jiu-jitsu is better for make money. It's better, you know. My patience jiu-jitsu. I used to to be involved in MMA, but I personally like more jiu-jitsu. Then I always tell him, man, come to jiu-jitsu. You know, like he has his own academy, but I saw that he put more focus in MMA. And he, but I feel that I stopped pushing him because I see that he loved MMA too much, and he loved that that energy, and he loved that guys, you know. And he, 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 he's doing an amazing job and his, his students are doing very great in, in, in MMA. And of course, UFC is the biggest event probably right now. But he Daniel Simons. Yeah, Daniel Simons, Daniel Grace. People call him Daniel Grace, yeah. Okay. Nice. I, I love speaking to great coaches, so I'll, I'll definitely reach out to him on uh, Instagram. And yeah, see you can find can... him on Instagram, Daniel Gracie. Or Hansel Gracie, Philadelphia. It's that where, where he teaches. Hansel amazing. Yeah, thanks so much for that recommendation, Professor. That's that's great. I love speaking to great coaches and trying to learn from them. Obviously, as a as a junior coach myself, trying to get better. So it's nice to get some advice. Good. Okay. Uh, well, thanks so much for your time, Professor. Really appreciate it. Uh, if um, next time you're in the UK, I'll, I'd love to come to one of your seminars. Or if I'm ever out in America, I'll definitely try to drop in. Um, okay. and time here, and I'm probably going to UK in, in July. Ah, beautiful. Yeah, awesome. let's see. I don't know how is the pandemic over there right now, but let's see if this one gets better. And you know, I I will go. Amazing. Yeah, we're we're pretty much kind of getting rid of all the restrictions now, so. And we're all yeah. training and everything, so it's all good. But yeah, uh, I'll definitely keep Maya to the ground for you. And until then, Professor, thanks so much. And uh, hopefully speak to you soon. Thank you. Thank you very much. It was a good, good speak to you. And you're welcome.